Hello, everyone. Welcome to Job Creators Radio Show, an international talk radio show focused on individuals, families, professionals, and organizations committed to meaningful employment for persons with disabilities. I'm your host, Sean Smith, founder of Don't Dis My Ability. Today, our special guest is Dr. Stephen Shore. We're just waiting for Stephen to call in and see if we've got him on the line now. Hi, how are you? Great. Thanks a lot for joining us on Job Creators Radio Show today. My pleasure. So for our audience who may not be aware of, of who you are, and I've done a lot of reading up on you, and I actually just got goosebumps uh, because of your incredible story and the work that you do, would you mind introducing yourself to our audience? Oh, sure, sure. Uh, well, taking it from the very beginning, I was, uh, after 18 months of typical development, I was struck with what I call the regressive autism bomb where I lost functional communication, had meltdowns, withdrew from the environment, and became a pretty severely affected autistic child. There was so little known about autism in those days that it took my parents a year to find a place for diagnosis. And when they did, all I can say is I'm so fortunate that my parents refuted the professional's recommended recommendations for institutionalization in favor of what we would today call an intensive home-based early intervention program. And with the work that they did, speech began to return at age four. I got admitted to that special school and I got upgraded from being psychotic and ready for an institution to just being neurotic. Uh, from there, it was regular school kindergarten uh, where I was a social and academic catastrophe. You know what happens to people who are different in grade school. A lot of bullying. Teachers didn't quite know how to reach me. Uh, by middle school, things got better because even though middle school can be a very challenging time, even if you don't have autism, that's when you start seeing courses, clubs, and activities based on particular interests, and I was able to engage in my interest in music. Uh, from there, continuing to study music, getting interested in bicycles, onward to college, where I earned degrees in music education and finally with a doctorate in special education. And at this point, I am found either at my university teaching or researching on things related to the autism spectrum, traveling around the world, talking about autism. I've been to 46 countries so far to talk about wow. the subject, writing books and giving music lessons to children with autism. And here I am now talking to you. Incredible. What a journey. Certainly is. And I, I, I can only imagine. Uh, you know, part of the job creators movement really are, our focus is on meaningful employment for individuals with disabilities. And I'm, I'm curious to know, to, to kind of get your take on, why self-employment is an increasingly more viable form of employment now than ever before. Yeah, well, self-employment, uh, the challenges with employment, uh, not so much inherent in doing the job, because those of us on the autism spectrum, for example, the most important part of employment is doing the job. 
and we can right. do it. But so often it is the challenges of social interaction. And research suggests that the most highly weighted variable to career success is not knowing how to do your job. Well, of course, you have to know how to do it. But even beyond that, it is how well do you get along with others? And given that those of us on the spectrum may be challenged with typical social interaction and difficulty resulting in difficulties with, say, office politics, uh, commonly uh, many of us will seek and be very successful in self-employment. So I suppose, uh, as for myself, I began early, you might say, with self-employment, whether it was uh, delivering newspapers and having to do that myself, cutting people's lawns until I got overwhelmed with hay fever, uh, shoveling snow during the winter, and eventually moving into bicycle repair and fixing people's bicycles, uh, both for myself and also for bicycle shops, and uh, eventually running my own bicycle shop, which helped pay for college. And now, I suppose we could say my speaking arrangements around the world are a sort of self-employment. And while teaching as a professor is I wouldn't consider that a self-employment. Uh, we are we pretty much have free reign to teach how and the way we want, as long as students are learning what they need to learn. And I I think it's important, you know, to go back to, you know, when you talk about the the office politics and and the social aspect. Um, as a counselor and psychotherapist, and I, I specialize in neurodiversity, one of the things that I, I try to educate people on or, or to change their perception is that we spend so much of our time trying to get people to fit into our world that we rarely explore how we can fit into theirs. And especially when it comes to employment uh, or self-employment for individuals, we kind of have these expectations that those are our, our perspectives or expectations, not necessarily the individual's. So it becomes challenging in, in that aspect to try and encourage them to follow their passion. Yeah, exactly. And I think if one follows their passion, then oh, it's easy to say, well, the rest of it will fall into place. Um, and in some ways it does, but it requires a lot of work to get that done. And what I find encouraging in the employment sector is that there are more organizations who are beginning to ask the question, uh, what can the person with autism specifically, or what can the person who has a disability or different set of abilities do as opposed right. to focusing on what they can't? And I, and that's something that I've actually incorporated into my, my practice. I, I, uh, on my intake forms, I actually will ask people if they have an identified gift. And we turn that gift into everything. That's the context for communication. So that's pretty cool. Exactly. And and how, how does self-employment capitalize on the abilities to create a path for meaning of full employment? Uh, well, what it, what, what it self-employment can do is provide an opportunity to work on skills that an employer uh, would desire. So whether it's someone who is an IT geek and is doing things 
individually in a self-employment role doing uh, one-off consultations, whether it's someone who's involved, who's interested in, say, small motor repair and sets up a little shop fixing lawnmower engines. Uh, whatever that interest is, uh, there can be ways in which to parlay that into performing a service for people on a small individual self-employment basis. And then when and if that person is ready and desires to work in a more formal structure, perhaps for somebody else, then they'll have the skills to do so. And that said, in addition to the technical skills that one can gain while being self-employed, that person is also gaining uh, social skills because you can't fix another person's bicycle in a vacuum. You've got to talk to the person and see what's going on with it. Right. Absolutely. And one of the things that I talk about as a neurodiverse entrepreneur is, you know, it's a lot more than headshots and catchphrases. Um, So your, your story is very unique and although you're successful, um, you know, what were some of the challenges for you that you you would be willing to share with some of our audience who are just starting up and, and getting out there? Oh, sure. Uh, a few challenges uh, come to mind. One was uh, in my first uh, formal job, you might say, and that's uh, defined as uh, punching a time clock, collecting hours over a week or two and getting a paycheck at the end. Uh, that was a real challenge because it was in a busy restaurant. And at that time, there was no language about sensory issues and whatnot. But thinking back, I realized that it was a sensorially overstimulating environment and something that just didn't work for me. And something told me that I really need to do something else. And if I could do something that I was interested in, that would make things much, much better. Well, at that time, I was interested in bicycles, and I had gotten it to a point where I could take a bicycle apart down to the ball bearings and get that and get it back together again. There wouldn't be any pieces left over, and it would still work. So I got on my custom-made bicycle and rode around to all the bicycle shops in the area. There were about 12 of them. I'd go in the shop. I'd, uh, I'd find the manager or the owner and nerd into them I should say, nerd into my bicycle with the manager. Right. And after a period of time, I'd ask him for a job. And what I now realized that I did was using the portfolio method of seeking employment. And that is the focus was all about the bicycle. It was all about the work. And there was no hidden curriculum challenges such as uh, how many times do you pump somebody's hand when you shake it? Uh, How much eye contact do I need to make? What about small talk? There was none of that. It was just all about the bicycle. And when I asked them for for a job, it took 12 times, but at least they knew I I knew my way around a bicycle, and that worked much better. And I I have to agree. Part of what I do is uh, employment counseling and and vocational Mm -hmm. counseling. And one of the things that I try to help individuals who are neurodiverse do is to go in and talk about the assets, the value that they're going to add and, and to try and stick to that because that's what's going to get the right. job or that's what's going to help you gain employment. Yeah, exactly. I think that's awesome. I mean, you've, got, 
you've got to talk about what you can do. Uh, often I refer to what I call the three A's of autism, but we could expand that to the three A's of neurodiversity and that would work really well. And the way that works is that it starts out with awareness. And we've been doing a lot of work on awareness for the past generation on autism and other conditions and neurodiversity in general. People recognize the word when they see it. Uh, more people are aware of autism when there is somebody on the spectrum within their midst. More people are aware of people with uh, different abilities as well. And from there, we need to use that as a firm foundation for building the second A, which is acceptance. Acceptance of the characteristics of whatever condition somebody has. And acceptance doesn't just mean, well, you let the person on the spectrum have meltdowns and tantrums and be disruptive. That's not acceptance, but acceptance of, well, these are the things that make that person work, makes them tick. These are their interests. These are their strengths. And once we have that, we can move on to appreciation. And appreciation is where the person with a difference is valued for who they are and what skills they can bring to the workplace and to society. And we're seeing more and more organizations uh, getting to this appreciation, appreciation stage, uh, such as uh, Microsoft, for example, who has vowed to hire 1% of their workforce of people consisting of people on the autism spectrum and many others as well. It, there really is a huge shift that's happening. And I, I get goosebumps every time I talk about it because you mentioned Microsoft, SAP uh, also is right. a, a large contributor as well. And, and more and more companies are really seeing the, the value that um, you know, individuals with unique gifts bring to the table and, and can offer. Right. And it requires transitioning from the charity-based model of autism, which is right. it's good to hire people with disabilities, it's a good corporate citizen type thing to do, and all of that type of stuff. And well, I guess that is good, but it's much better to move towards, uh, you might say, a, uh, uh, to an abilities-based model. So transitioning away from charity to asking what can the person do and hiring the person, you might say, for all the right reasons. And that is, I, for example, at SAP, hiring people mm -hmm. who can do things better and faster than people who have been there for many years because they have a really good skill in this area. I, I couldn't agree more. And as an entrepreneur, one of the challenges I had with the charity-based model was that I couldn't in good conscience go to another business and ask them to take somebody on as a charity. I, like I couldn't ask somebody to take someone on and, and lose value in their company. So it was easier for me to right. try and assess what the person's value was and what they could add to the business and use that approach. And that worked much, much better. Right. And I think the more we do that, the better everybody off will be. And it uh, works in a number of uh, situations as well. Uh, for example, in education, uh, at Adelphi University where I teach, we have a program called uh, Bridges to Adelphi, and it's mostly for students with Asperger's syndrome and uh, related conditions who have the cognitive wherewithal to get through school, but 
there's all the social and executive challenge, challenge, executive functioning challenges that those of us on the autism spectrum face. So these individuals, we got 100, about 125 of them. We could have double that number if we could squeeze them all in. Uh, they uh, they um, pay a fee to go, and it really helps them in their academic work. We then did some research, and we found that the grade point average of the students in the Bridges program was higher than the overall student body. And we also wow. found that they have a better retention rate, which means they're sticking around longer. If you want to be hardcore business bottom line, that means that they're paying tuition longer and the university is going to like that. So exactly. here we are doing something that's providing a net value to everybody, the students on the spectrum and with related conditions to the university and to society. So it's a win all the way around. I'm curious to know as a music teacher, Stephen, if any of your students have created their own form of employment based on um, what you've been able to teach them. Uh, not that I know of. Uh, the students who I teach, well, they're all over the map. Some of them could be professional musicians if they so desired to be, but prefer to do something else. And others work harder at it. Uh, but still enjoy it. And they're also all over the spectrum map as well. Some are uh, speak very well and can out-verbalize any one of us. And then there are others who haven't quite learned how to speak yet, but they can still learn how to play an instrument. Now, that said, uh, I do know of people on the spectrum uh, who have made a career in being a musician, and it works very well. That's awesome. I think it's I think it's great. And do you, do you find that in your work for those, in, you know, those students that you teach who may be nonverbal, do you think they find their voice in music? I I think it's I think that is a way. Some of them do. Uh, they find that music is a way to communicate. And what I find fascinating is that for some individuals, music becomes the means of communication. Uh, for others individuals uh, and helps spur along whatever communication abilities they have and it serves may serve as a sort of uh, carrier signal and mm -hmm. what I've seen in more than one student is a really curious linkage to where if I play a piece of music and they know it and sometimes they'll play along with me they then sing the words to the song just as well as any other person might sing it, whether they're verbal or not. However, these individuals uh, functionally are non-speaking and they don't use words to communicate. But when it comes to music, that unlocks something that allows them to sing. And I, I think that's something that needs further investigation. I I would agree. And for individuals that, that I support or work with, uh, well, mostly I work with parents. And if their interest is music, um, you know, I, I try to encourage that. And, and you can gauge uh, an individual's mood by the type of music they're playing, um, which I, I find oh, sure. fascinating. And I, I oh, want to yeah, ask, because we're, we're, we're both going to be at Trailblazing, and I wanted to ask, what's your connection to Trailblazing 2017? 
Well, my connection is uh, it's uh, employment. Uh, we need to talk about and work towards fulfilling and productive employment for, well, for everybody, but in this case, focusing on the autism spectrum. What can we do to promote fulfilling and productive employment as the rule rather than the exception? Uh, we, uh, it, it should not be unusual that we find someone on the autism spectrum or with other, some other condition that they're fully employed to their capacity. But it should be a regular thing and something that's just an expected part of society like it is for everybody else. I agree. And last year, having been to the conference and and meeting the, the trailblazers who were there and, and listening and, and seeing their stories was just tremendous. So I'm excited to see the conference as it unfolds this year on a much larger stage with many, many more guests, including yourself. Um, so I look forward to meeting you in person. I think it's going to be a fantastic conference. And for those, like for those, for. sorry, go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. Oh, uh, I, I, I just want to do it. It's going to be incredible. I, I'm uh, really trying to promote it heavily for a lot of individuals who are around my area in New Brunswick, Canada, to try and get more and more people out uh, because it really is a, a unique conference. And this year, with the unique guests that they're bringing in, it's just, I, I get goosebumps anytime I talk about it because it's just going to be an incredible event. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to it as well. It's, it's going to be great. It's going to be a, a critical mass of people who are working towards the same goal, and that's meaningful and productive employment for everyone. And I'll just do a plug for trailblazing for, for those of, uh, who are in our listening audience who have not uh, who are not familiar with the conference. It's a one-day global conference in South Florida, and it's held at the newly renovated Broward Center for the Performing Arts on September 30th. And this conference unites top corporations actively recruiting adults with developmental disabilities, enterprising micro-businesses, self-employed individuals, angel investors, corporate-based accessibility teams, assistive technology developers, and disability job portal agencies to discuss the global employment crisis facing millions of people with developmental disabilities. So to your point exactly, Stephen, this is helping to bring what we do mainstream, which is phenomenal. And... If possible, I'd like to open it up uh, to our our guests. Uh, if anybody would like to call in at 818-668-5414, we'd be happy to take a, a question from our uh, from our listening audience. So please feel free to call in if you have a question for either myself or Dr. Stephen Shore uh, as it pertains to meaningful employment for individuals with disabilities. We'd love to hear from you and uh, answer any questions you might have. And as you go through the the um, the trailblazing website. Is there anybody on there that you're most excited to meet that you haven't already met, Stephen? Uh, well, uh, I've looked at many people. I'm always excited to meet with uh, Temple Grandin. Uh, I've met her many times. I've uh, contributed to a book that she's written uh, called uh, uh, Different Not Less. And I'm looking forward to uh, meeting uh some people who uh, new people uh, who I don't know, and I think that will be uh, I think that will be very interesting. I'm I will be uh, I mean I attended last year, but there are so many guests this year that I have only met virtually, such as yourself. So I look forward to 
putting a name to the face uh, in meeting people in person. I think it'll oh, be great. Oh, great. I mean, exciting people such as Jose Valesco. Uh, I've worked with him, Kwang Do, who uh, we're both on the board of Autism Speaks. And then there are others who I haven't mentioned, uh, uh, Amy uh, Cosper, uh, from it was a former editor in chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. I think that will be will be very exciting uh, to meet her as well. So these are just a few people who I'm looking forward to meeting. I agree. Amy was our our first guest, and it was a phenomenal interview. So it'll be nice to meet her as well. And one of the things that um, I'm wondering, Stephen. Are there any pieces of technology or software that you use that that help you in your work and life that you'd care to share with our audience? No, sure. I mean, technology is a great force multiplier. And, you know, we're seeing more and more now people with various conditions, various disabilities, uh, being able to use technology, whether it's an assistive communication device, uh, whether it's an iPad, and a phone, or uh, an outright computer, uh, they're of great help. And as for me, I guess the, I guess it's my computer that helps uh, best keep me organized because that's where all my work lives and where I produce all of my material uh, for presentations, workshops, teaching, and writing. And would you are you an Apple person or a PC? I'm an Apple person, and uh, I think they work uh, just great. They seem to work well, at least the way that I think. Uh, I know in some circles there there's great controversy as to which one is better, and I think just like when we think about different approaches for educating people on the spectrum, I think the best one, in this case computer, is the one that works for you. Right, uh, and I, I would agree. I'm also an Apple person. Um, are there any apps in particular that you recommend? Uh, well, uh, let's see. I use uh, I use um, uh, I use Uber an awful lot. That one works well when I need to get a ride from one place to another. Uh, that's a really cool app. Uh, there's also uh, Prolo Quote to Go, which I think is excellent for helping those who are non-speaking, but certainly still have a lot to communicate and a lot to say. I am familiar with Prolo 2 Quo, and I'm, I'm, it's been a while since I've looked at it, but I'm wondering if, if it has been uh, adapted or could be used for an individual um, towards meaningful employment or the workplace. Um, sure it could. You know, if... Uh, I'm sure it could, uh, perhaps, uh, in a, you know, perhaps a, uh, in a chat room situation, or perhaps even uh, a phone, helping with phone as well. Whereas the app provides the uh, verbal communication that the person calling is looking for. It's been a while since I, I've looked at it, but it, it would be really interesting for it to, to go back and just to see how it could be implemented. I think that would be fascinating. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be. Uh, the, the field's wide open for innovation in this area, and the more that can be done, the better off we'll be. 
I agree. And I find there's more and more technology coming out, um, you know, every, every week. And I, and I love it. I think it's great. Oh yeah, I do too. Like love following and seeing what's coming up next. I'm looking forward to speaking of technology to finding more about the iPhone eight because a phone, an iPhone that doesn't waste all this space on bezels is quite intriguing. I I have not read up on it, but I look forward to it. And Stephen, we're ending the getting towards the end of our show. I just wanted to thank you for coming on, and uh, just to say that I look forward to seeing you at uh, Trailblazing 2017 in September. Thanks again for coming on. Oh well, thank you for having me, and I look forward to meeting you as well. All right, take care. Special thanks to our guest today, Dr. Stephen Shore. Find links to Stephen's social media profiles on the Drop Creators Radio Show website. Please follow and promote our guests as they continue to do the same for us. And please remember, Job Creators is a movement, a movement that relies on you, the listener, to promote the wonderful work we're doing. Please like and share this interview with your network and follow us on social media. I'm your host, Sean Smith, proud founder of Don't Dis My Ability, asking you to tune in next time as we continue to interview trailblazers and the Job Creators movement. And you can now find the Job Creators radio show on iTunes, coming soon. Please follow us on Facebook. And you can follow Picasso Einstein and Don't Dis My Ability on Twitter. And we're excited to announce our next guest, publicist for the Oscars, Stephen Rohr. Uh, sorry, uh, Steve Rohr will be joining us on our next episode. So tune in in August for our next live episode.